0: Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Club Natters, the grassroots podcast from Sport England. I'm
1: Robin Cowan. And I'm Glenn Moore. We're here to guide you through the day-to-day running of a sports club with expert advice and examples of best practice.
0: Let's get straight to it then. For this latest edition of the Club Matters podcast, we're going to cover an issue that isn't all that prominent, but is nonetheless important to discuss. That's safeguarding of adults. Safeguarding adults really revolves around two key goals. One safeguarding of people when they're visiting your premises, using your services, or being a member of your club, and two, responding to any signs that may indicate abuse is occurring outside of your organisation.
1: I must admit, I have been involved in several sports clubs over many years, and this is not something that's ever been really prominent in the clubs I've been involved in. As a youth football coach, I've been on safeguarding courses, and even before the recent high-profile publicity surrounding child abuse in football, gymnastics, swimming, athletics, and, and too many other sports, was very much aware of the issue of child protection. However, whilst there's using awareness that adults with an obvious sign of disability are likely to need some assistance, there can be a tendency to think that adults can basically look after themselves and sometimes their vulnerability is not that obvious.
0: I suspect that's the case with many people. But with the growth in awareness of mental health in particular, it's becoming more evident that people are often vulnerable without it being outwardly obvious. To help us understand where the duty of care lies when it comes to adults, we're joined by Nicola Dean from the Anne Craft Trust. She's going to help us make sense of all of this and explain what sports clubs
1: need to do. Welcome to Club Natters, Nicola.
0: Good to be here.
1: Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the background of the Anne Craft Trust and what it does? I gather it's named after a pioneer in the field.
2: Yes, it is. Um, Anne Craft was one of the researchers at the University of Nottingham. She was one of the first people to think about the safeguarding of adults. We've been a charity for over 20 years. We're funded by Sport England at the moment to provide information and um, support to the sports sector.
0: There are a lot of people, as Glenn and I were discussing earlier, who would say that when they think of safeguarding, they exclusively think of it in terms of children. I understand there are special measures, though, relating to adults.
2: Yes, there are. Um, You might have heard the strapline, safeguarding is everybody's business. um, And safeguarding of adults is actually a really important issue. The Care Act 2014 even put the safeguarding of adults onto a statutory footing. This was for the first time. Before that, there used to be some guidance for local authorities and for organisations working with adults. But the Care Act brought it all together. Essentially, if your organisation has regular contact with the public, you have a crucial role to play in the support, the identification and the reporting of adults who may be at risk of harm.
1: Clearly, this is an important subject. Where do sports clubs come into it?
2: Well, actually, safeguarding adults means protecting a person's right to live in safety, free from abuse and neglect. And that sounds quite... um, formal but actually it's responsibility for every sport and physical activity organisation. People think that they're going to have to do a lot of things but it doesn't have to mean a lot of extra work and if you get this right in your club it means that everybody can have a safe access for um, your club. Individuals across your organisation need to be informed enough to ensure that complaints and that concerns about adults at risk are properly identified and acted upon. So this means actively working to prevent abuse from occurring within your organisation, putting things in place to try to prevent things happening. but you must also be prepared to respond proportionately if you think abuse or neglect has occurred. So safeguarding really is about two things. It's about trying to prevent it happening but also responding if you think that things have happened. For most clubs this is something that will rarely be an issue for them but it's really important to have a solid safeguarding policy in place that means you'll be prepared to um, act should the need arise. There's nothing worse than having something happen and not knowing what to do. If you put things in place then you will know what to do if you've got a concern
1: yes i can understand that'd be quite important for a club but does this apply to all adults who attend or volunteer at a club
2: well actually we've all got a duty to look out for the welfare of everybody but safeguarding adults duties according to the care act apply to an adult who so there's three parts to this has care has needs for care and support whether or not the local authority is meeting any of those needs so the second bit is about is that person with care and support needs experiencing or is at risk of abuse or neglect? And then the third part is, as a result of those care and support needs, is unable to protect themselves from either the risk of or the experience of abuse or neglect.
0: So let's look at some of the types of things sports clubs should be looking out for. Let's start with the more obvious things that are universal to adults and children.
2: Yes, and I think that people in clubs will recognise the first four. So The um, first one is about physical abuse, so it might be people who've been hit, slapped, pushed, kicked, um, misuse of medication for um, adults. And then another one is about sexual abuse, um, which is rape, indecent exposure, sexual harassment and basically any sexual act which the adult hasn't consented to or was pressurised into consenting to. Another one is emotional or physical harm. So that's about um, threats or fear of abandonment, people who were um, scapegoated within settings, um, blamed for things, coerced into doing things. And then the fourth one is neglect or acts of omission. So that's about people not having their basic needs met. Um, Yeah, and those four people will be familiar with from Safeguarding Children, I would think.
1: Yes, I recognise quite a few of those aspects from my training with the football association for dealing with children um in our safeguarding training but obviously there'd be some things that exclusive to adults
2: yes there are and something that people might be um familiar with is financial abuse so you might have seen some of the things on tv um with people who are internet scammed or there's been fraud or they've been coerced into giving money to organizations um and you could think that actually this is about older people because that's most of the things that are on the in the media when actually we've got some examples within sport and activity around financial abuse of younger people people who were seen as being um just more vulnerable to harm who people can groom into giving them money such as well one of the first calls that i got when i started my job um about safeguarding adults in sport was from somebody who'd taken part in um, personal training and she'd done it to improve emotional well-being and mental health really and she told the financial the personal trainer that she had mental health issues and that why she was doing it and he basically financially abused her so he started with business cards and then she wanted some he said he needed money to improve his website and he was trying to improve people's well-being and you know she knew how much it had helped him but he didn't have the money Um, and it just carried on and eventually she'd given him £6,000 and it was found out when she spoke to her mental health nurse who asked her how was the personal training going because they'd really encouraged her to do the personal training and they thought it was good for her and um, she broke down and said I've I've given a personal trainer £6,000 and I don't know what to do.
1: Which is quite a lot of money for most people. It £6,000.
2: Yeah. And I think because she didn't aware, she said she feels really silly about it because she didn't realise at the time what was happening and she thought he was a friend and he was really helping her and she was really enjoying the personal training. Um, but it was actually grooming her into giving her money.
1: Um, well, I guess there can be, Small examples, just you know, for some reason there's one person who's always getting the drinks in at the bar, for example, at a clubhouse.
2: Yeah, and you could think, oh, that's great, um, you know, they're making friends. But actually you can start to see that there are certain people who are expected to give, you know, buy the drinks. Um, and if you can see a pattern over time, are they really his friends or her friends? Are they really, you know agreeing to it do they think that they have to do it because we don't really know what's going on in people's lives do we but i think things like that can be spotted and the key thing is to think oh is that okay have a word with the person ask them how they are
1: how can you spot more subtle signs of abuse
2: well you could see people who were perhaps scared when somebody comes into the room um For people who have personal assistants, it might be that one personal assistant you see that they're actually really happy with, but then a different personal assistant comes with them and they seem more scared. Um, I think it is probably something that people are rarely to, rarely likely to, tell you about so one of the things i would say in any club is to get to know people so you get to see how they normally are and then if things start to change um you pick up on that change and you ask them how are you
1: i guess some of this depends people in the club who see a lot of people regularly particularly in the social environment might need might, might be good people to target for training i'm, I'm thinking about clubs that have bars so if they have a barman or a bar or bar woman um they will often see quite a lot of people in a social environment and maybe pick up on their body language in a way that other members of the club won't.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think we all know people in clubs who are the ones who you'd go and have a word with and, you know, who've got the friendly face and things. Um, Yeah, the people who've got good people skills who pick it up. But anybody can pick things up. Um, You don't have to deal with it yourself. You can always have a word with your welfare officer or, you know, the person in your organisation who would deal with any concerns. So I'd always say to people, don't go home worrying about somebody. Um, there's nothing worse than you know waking up at three o'clock in the morning thinking gosh I I hope that they're okay it's better to have you know if you've spotted something have a word with that person Um, and if you feel like you can't be the person then have a word with your welfare officer and they will do
1: it. Another one on the list is organisational is that something that clubs might inadvertently you know uh, unconsciously be making it difficult for vulnerable people?
2: Yeah I mean organizational abuse is about not just one person abusing somebody it's about the whole organization not meeting people's needs Um, and it can be I think the thing with safeguarding is about getting the culture right isn't it getting the organization to accept that safeguarding is a thing getting people involved in the club getting feedback from people um, making sure that people are part of it you know the members are the club aren't they um so yeah, making it warm and welcoming, all those sorts of things make it preventative so you don't see it you hopefully won't get as much, you know, abuse or
1: incidents. Um oh, yeah, I guess it's one of those ones where the, the physical stuff is obvious enough, like putting the wheelchair ramp. It's the other stuff that's a bit more hard, harder to interpret as yeah. what, what you need to be doing.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um but actually it's about having conversations with people. Is about asking people how they are. Is about noticing. It's about not going away and ignoring things. So to me, that's about just being a human. Adult safeguarding is about um, putting the person at the centre of it. Is thinking, you know, what's right for them. Having a discussion with them. Um, There's a term that's used in adult safeguarding called um, making safeguarding personal. And it really has got to be that person is involved right from the right from the start. They are, you know, they are important. We all know that nobody wants to be told what to do in their lives. Nobody wants safeguarding done to them. You know, we all think about certain situations where somebody will say, I know what's in your best interests," and this is what you need to do. Well, actually, we don't want it. What we'd like is to have a discussion and ask our opinions, ask our views, really.
1: Any other issues uh, you touch on?
2: Oh uh, Well, actually... Um, the last one is about self-neglect. So that's in um, the CARE Act. And again, people might recognise um, self-neglect from some TV programmes where they've had people who were hoarding or just, you know, keeping the house in a really poor state. Um, and that's actually classed as self-neglect. I think that self-neglect is a tricky one because it's it hasn't got an abuser. There isn't an organisation or a person who's abusing them. It's about their own um, behaviour. So it's about what they're doing. And I think for clubs, um, what they might notice is um, people's appearance might become worse. So they're maybe not dressed as well. They're not keeping themselves as well. Um, They're maybe not coming as often to club, even though you know that they like it. So, again, it's about seeing it um, over time, I think. And that's the case with a lot of um, safeguarding issues is getting to know people and seeing the changes in the behavior or their appearance.
0: So that's quite a lot of things for clubs to look out for there. For people involved in running those clubs who are listening to this what do they need um, to do now?
2: Most of the pro- procedures that we recommend though are really quite simple. One of the most helpful things I think I've mentioned it that a club can have and do is have a standalone safeguarding adults policy and procedures And then make sure that everybody in the club knows about the policy and procedures. Don't just put it on a shelf and forget about it. Tell people about it. Tell the people who are the members so that they know where to go. And that's about creating a culture that means participants feel able to discuss issues and know where to go if they have a concern. It's such a barrier if people think, oh, that's not right, but they don't know where to go. And basically, you will lose people. People will stop going to the club if you don't set that tone um, that things get addressed. People will leave. Further to this, um, you know, familiar, familiarize yourself with organisations who are there to help. So locally, um, there'll be a safeguarding adults team. So if you've got any um, concerns and you're thinking it might need a referral through to the safeguarding adults team, there'll be a. A specific scene for them. There's also a local safeguarding adults board um, that oversee all the training and the um, information that people get around safeguarding adults. And actually there's also the county sport partnerships. They have safeguarding leads who are there to talk things through. So if you've got a connoisseur in a club and you're thinking, oh, you know, can I go to the safeguarding adults team? I don't really want to, is it important enough?" always speak to the CSP because they'll um, give you some advice. And then nationally, um, you can come and speak to us at the Ancraft Trust. We get calls from national governing bodies, from council sport partnerships, from clubs, from participants, from parents of participants, from friends of participants, anybody really. You can give us a call or you can give us an email.
1: There's lots of useful general tips there for clubs going forward to develop and put structures into place. For smaller clubs who haven't got the capacity to do that immediately, what particular tips would you give them in terms of um short term
2: so it's really important that if somebody is injured or at immediate risk you should take immediate action by seeking help from relevant authorities such as the police or the ambulance service don't think oh i've got to follow this policy and procedure where is it just if somebody's um needs immediate um attention then you know act on that another thing um that I think we've spoken about really safeguarding adults is about making sure that you keep the person in question involved in the process they are the person at the center of um safeguarding and that fits in with ensuring that you have consent so if you've got concerns and you're thinking it might have to go through to the local authority for um the social care team make sure that you involve that person and that they give consent however if they don't give consent and you're still concerned, you can still ring the local authority. Don't just see that as a barrier. You can always talk it through, and they'll give you some advice um, on an anonymous basis. So, yeah, keep the person involved. That's all about making safeguarding personal. Um, let them know what you're doing um, and what the outcome is, really.
1: That's a really good point. When people are doing something to help a vulnerable person, they can sometimes forget to involve that person. I, I guess we've all seen examples of someone talking to the person pushing a wheelchair rather than the person who's actually in it do you have any specific examples relevant to sports clubs
2: yeah a practice example we use at AnCraft is that of a young man with autism um he's 20 and he suffers from muscular discomfort if he stands for too long can also be prone to chest infections this young man absolutely loves his football and he wants to run the line for the team so he wants to be a linesman um he knows the rules and he thinks that actually he could do this really well it plays to his strengths um, some of the team though they're concerned oh he's going to m- suffer muscular pain in his legs, he's going to be more prone to chest infections through the winter so they make the decision, actually we don't think that he should be doing that um, they feel like they can overrule his decision making um, because they're acting, they'll say things like oh we're acting in your best interests um, and actually then they've not checked out the person and they've taken over his life they're not letting him make decisions for himself
1: and we talk about the support team that he's got Around him, yeah. I mean, I guess this is an area where, yeah, if they speak to him, they might be and speak to the football club. They might be able to come up with a compromise where he only does one half of the game, or he only does it when the weather's okay, or even yeah, depending on what level the club is playing at, he could do twenty minutes and someone else could take over twenty minutes to give a bit of a break in between, just do a half of a half, as it were.
2: Yeah, that's about right. That's about not taking over somebody's life and letting them make decisions for themselves, isn't it? Giving people information that helps them to understand what the implications for it and then helping them to come up with a compromise that's right for him and right for the club as well
1: and I guess as he starts doing it I mean he'll find out himself you know can I do 20 minutes can I do half an hour can I do 15 minutes and see how that works
0: yeah
2: that sounds spot on yeah
0: so just to round things up what are the top tips you can share for those concerned about safeguarding I'd adults? I'd say, remember,
2: you're not alone in this. You can start to think that, oh, it feels like a heavy weight. Um, if you're not there, if you're not sure about how to proceed, there's always people there to help. Um, if your club's got a national governing body, um, they've, they'll have a designated safeguarding lead and they'll have policy and procedures. Um, gather as much information as you can before speaking to a local authority. Collect available relevant facts and appropriate information. Um, and then there's always the case about making a written record. If you've got a consent, write it down. Write down what you've done. It might be needed further down the line. If you are considering making a referral to adult social care, you should try to gain consent from the adult. If you don't have consent to make a referral, then you can... As- mentioned you can call the social care team and discuss the case without giving relevant without giving specific details they can give you advice they can talk you through it and they can decide whether they can take the referral without that person's consent
1: This is quite timely, this, because this is moving up the agenda um, in terms of along with mental health. And I gather you have a first National Safeguarding Awareness Week coming up. Yeah. For for adults.
2: Yeah, Ancraft is involved in the um, National Safeguarding Adults Week. It's the first one. Sometimes in local authorities, they've had um, weeks that are just in that area, whereas this isn't the first National um, Safeguarding Adults Week. It's in November from the 19th through to the 25th. Right the way through every day, we're going to be focusing on a different issue for adult safeguarding. So, we've talked a little bit about um, financial abuse. So, we'll have something about financial abuse. Um, We'll have something about forced marriage of people with learning disabilities. This is something that the Ancraft Trust has been involved with the University of Nottingham in researching. Again, it's a topic that you wouldn't really think about. So, if you want to find out about more um, safeguarding issues for adults, then log into the um, ACT website and you can find out all the information about it.
1: Well, we'll keep our eyes and ears uh, open for that and see what comes up in that week. And thank you very much Nicola. I hope it's been very useful to everyone. There's some top tips on safeguarding adults and more information on the Club Matters website and at www.ancrafttrust.org.
0: If you like what you've heard, please do subscribe, review and give us a rating. And if you've got any questions about anything we've covered, do let us know. Don't forget to follow Club Matters on Twitter, that's at Club Matters, and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash sportengland club matters for more information on topics such as safeguarding, as well as links to the latest Club Matters advice and content.
1: That's all we've got time for today. Special thanks go to Nicola Dean from the Ancraft Trust for joining us to talk through safeguarding adults. Next month, we're going to talk about women in grassroots sport, so do be sure to join us for that. From me, Robin Cowan, and from me, Glenn Moore,
0: and from Sport England, thank you very much for listening.